welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach, and my mission is to help you get into the best shape of your life, regardless of your age, so that you can show up in life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. Now, before we get to today's episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Tupood. Tupood makes awesome gym apparel and gym bags and backpacks, but they're probably best known for their world-class lifting belts. In fact, Tupood is the official belt of USA Weightlifting. I'm a huge fan of these guys. I absolutely love my gym backpack, and I love their weightlifting belts. I have two of these straight belts, and I've used them now for a couple of years. One of the favorite things about their lifting belts is all the different design options. If you're the type of person that likes lots of bling, maybe some pink glitter or colorful and funky patterns, they got you covered. If you're not really a big bling person, no worries. They got you covered with some solid colors and subtle patterns as well. Anyways, if you'd like to check them out, head over to silveredgepartners.com and click on the Tupood icon. And because you're a listener of this show, you can save 10% when you use the coupon code SILVEREDGE at checkout. Again, that's silveredgepartners.com and make sure to use the coupon code SILVEREDGE at checkout to save 10% off your order. That's SILVEREDGE all run together. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on with today's show. Today we have another edition of the Coach's Corner, so no guest today, it's just me, and we'll be back next week with our regular interview format. But here's what we're covering in today's episode. I start out by tackling the subject of CrossFit, specifically if it's appropriate for those of us over 50 to start CrossFit. And then I talk a little bit about the pros and cons of CrossFit as an exercise modality. And then since today's sponsor is Tupood, I thought I'd talk about whether or not you really need a lifting belt. And if so, when you should and shouldn't use one. And then finally, I wrap up by taking a few minutes to talk about one rep maxes. Okay, let's do this. Time to get on with today's show. Is CrossFit right for you? CrossFit seems to be a fairly polarizing topic in the exercise space. Rooted in anti-establishment punk rock ethos, in its early days, it was bold and unconventional in both its open source community and hardcore, full send, go-till-you-puke mentality. Today, CrossFit has gone a bit more corporate. It's estimated to be a $4 billion brand with over 15,000 affiliate gyms worldwide. So before we go any further, let's define CrossFit. It's often called the sport of functional fitness, and CrossFit defines itself as constantly varied, high-intensity functional movement. So let's break that down a bit. Constantly varied is pretty much what it sounds like. CrossFit incorporates a ton of movement modalities such as weightlifting, gymnastics, running, jumping, climbing, etc. And in addition to a wide variety of actual movements, they also encourage a wide variety of loads and time domains. In other words, some workouts are short and very intense, often with heavier loads, while others are longer affairs requiring some amount of pacing. Speaking of pacing, the second element in our definition of CrossFit is high intensity. CrossFit is definitely intense, and this is where some of the perhaps well-founded criticism of CrossFit comes in, but we'll get to that in a minute. And the final part of our definition is functional movement. 
Wikipedia defines functional movements as movements that are based on real-world situational biomechanics. They usually involve multi-planar, multi-joint movements, which place demand on the body's core musculature. Okay, so it's no secret that I am, in fact, a fan of CrossFit. I first heard that term many years ago. My brother brought it up, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, and the way he was describing it made it sound like some sort of cult-like psychotic aerobics class. And as it turns out, my first impression wasn't that far off the mark. Fast forward another 10 years or so, and CrossFit was getting a bit more mainstream. There were snippets of the CrossFit games on ESPN, and Rich Froning was crowned the fittest man on earth by winning four back-to-back CrossFit Games championships, which caused him to pop up in some of the popular fitness magazines of the day. Back then, I was still pretty early on in my own fitness journey. Previously, I had done some marathons and a bunch of triathlons, and then I had an unhealthy period of inactivity. After allowing myself to get into the worst shape of my life, which ended in a pretty serious health scare, I decided to get my act together and get back in shape. I took up jogging, and then I joined a Globo gym and even hired a few personal trainers. And while I was getting healthier, I knew I was missing something. I just, I didn't know what. I eventually left the Globo gym and built out a pretty nice garage gym. And with the help of Mark Ripito's book, Starting Strength, my brother and I taught ourselves the major compound lifts, that is the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, and even the overhead press. And I started to work on getting stronger. And it was about this time in my life that I started to see real positive changes in my body and in my overall health. I was getting progressively stronger and my body was beginning to transform. I was losing some of my belly fat and gaining some muscle. And this is where I was on my health and fitness journey when I was formally introduced to CrossFit. And here's what happened. My, at the time, 15-year-old daughter, Emma, started obsessing about CrossFit. She had discovered an amazing Icelandic CrossFitter named Sarah Sigmund's daughter on YouTube, and she just couldn't get enough. And she started saying things like, Dad, we really got to try this. Now, I've always believed in investing in my children, and I've tried to meet them where they are and get involved in things that they are passionate about. So after several non-committal, yeah, we should try that, on my part, we made the commitment to visit a couple of local CrossFit gyms. So quick pause in the story here. My main apprehension about CrossFit wasn't the fact that this Sarah woman was snatching a barbell overhead at a weight that I was probably deadlifting at the time or watching her go full on beast mode in her workouts, but rather that I had never worked out in a group or class setting. Sure, I'd done some bike rides and running in small groups, but gym time was when I put on my headphones and basically ignored everyone else and went about my business. Being a bit of a lone wolf, an introvert if you will, I was reluctant to join a class environment, especially one where I would undoubtedly be the slowest and the weakest, and quite possibly the oldest. Anyway, We ended up stopping by a few CrossFit gyms, and it was immediately apparent which gym was the perfect fit for us. Big shout out to CrossFit Carolina Beach here in North Carolina. The owner encouraged us to come back the next day and just try out a class. And the very next day, with butterflies in my stomach, my daughter and I did our first CrossFit class and got our asses absolutely kicked. 
And so, of course, we signed up for a father-daughter membership that very day. Now, that was almost five years ago. Fast forward to today, and I still do CrossFit workouts. And in fact, I'm a CrossFit coach. But this segment isn't about me. It's about you. In spite of the fact that I love both coaching and participating in CrossFit, I'm not fanatical. I don't believe it's exclusively the best way to exercise or that it is, in fact, for everyone. In other words, I've drunk the CrossFit Kool-Aid, and I have to admit it's delicious, but I see it for what it is and recognize both its weaknesses as well as its strengths as an exercise modality. So let's talk about some of the pros and cons of CrossFit, specifically for those of us over 50, and let's start with the pros. The first pro is that CrossFit workouts can be scaled for pretty much anybody, no matter their current level of fitness. Some of my early ideas of CrossFit were formed from my exposure to CrossFit Games athletes. These amazing men and women are some of the fittest, most talented athletes on earth, and comparing myself to these folks is ridiculous. We can really separate CrossFit into two parts. On the one hand, we have competitive CrossFit, which are basically professional exercisers. And then on the other hand, we have CrossFit as a workout modality, which is where most of us mere mortals will participate. But CrossFit prides itself on being scalable for athletes of all ages and fitness levels, and workouts can be adapted for pretty much anyone. The second pro is the CrossFit community. I joked earlier about CrossFit being a cult, but CrossFit is famous for building gym workout communities. I suppose when you do really difficult things together and you suffer together, you can't help but to form a tight bond. The next pro on my list is that CrossFit provides a competitive outlet. Now, if competition isn't your thing, this might seem like a negative, but I was pleasantly surprised at the feeling of satisfaction I got from competing not only with other CrossFit athletes, but with myself. Which brings me to my next pro, and that's that CrossFitters measure and track everything. Which means that you can see your progress over time. It's very satisfying to see your strength and fitness gains objectively improving over time. Another pro is that CrossFit will certainly push you out of your comfort zone. We all have weak areas, things like strength, mobility, aerobic capacity, etc. And CrossFit will absolutely point these out to you. And we all know real growth doesn't happen in our comfort zones, but rather when we step outside of that. And CrossFit will certainly demand that you step outside of your comfort zone. And my final pro is that CrossFit does a very good job of what its name implies. That is, it makes you a well-rounded, fit human being. Good CrossFit programming will make you stronger, fitter, more mobile, mentally tougher, and it will increase your work capacity across all time and modal domains. Okay, so those are a few of the reasons that I love CrossFit. Now let's look at some of the cons. And the first con is related to the last pro we just talked about, and that's that you can't work on any one area when you're a CrossFitter. In other words, because CrossFit is purposely designed to make you a jack-of-all-trades but master of none, you really can't specialize within CrossFit. So, for example, if your goal is to get as strong as possible or maybe to run your fastest 5K, CrossFit's not a very effective way to get there. My second con, at least in my mind, is that CrossFit coaching and programming can vary greatly from gym to gym. 
the barrier to entry to opening a CrossFit gym is fairly low. You need your level one CrossFit coaching certification, and you need to shell out about, I think it's $3,000 for the affiliate fee. So for example, I have my CrossFit L1, and let's just say I want to open a CrossFit gym. I'd pay my three grand and I'd be on my way and I'd be 100% responsible for the programming in my new CrossFit gym. Now, I'd like to think that I'd have fantastic programming in my theoretical gym, but you might begin to see where this could lead to trouble. Let's just say that a 20-year-old hardcore CrossFitter opened a gym and his programming was designed to hammer the holy snot out of other extremely fit 20-year-olds. This might not be the best option for you or me. Another potential con I can see in CrossFit is that there is a certain subset of people who get hooked on or addicted to the high that comes from completely trashing oneself in a workout. We call these folks cortisol junkies, and while this is fine in appropriate doses, over time this can lead to overtraining and poor metabolic health, which is the exact opposite of what we want from our training program. All right. So I saved this con for the last intentionally because it's the one that gets the most publicity, and that's the claim that CrossFit is unsafe and you're likely to get hurt. And while there are some studies that show that you're no more likely to get injured participating in CrossFit than other forms of intense exercise, it's not hard to see why this message is perpetuated. CrossFit promotes using many highly skilled movements. Things like the Olympic lifts, which are the clean and jerk and the barbell snatch, as well as gymnastic movements such as kipping pull-ups, muscle-ups, and handstand push-ups. To add fuel to the fire here, these movements are often done for time. In other words, as fast as you can. So it's not hard to imagine that if you're doing a very complicated movement like a barbell snatch for time, that is, at a very high intensity, you'll likely fatigue and your form will break down. And that creates a potential for an environment that's just ripe for injury. And this is really the crux of the issue when it comes to deciding if CrossFit is right for you. If you're the kind of person who loves a challenge and loves learning new things, but is also disciplined enough to self-regulate and not let excitement or ego get in your way, CrossFit might be great for you. In other words, if you can understand and stay within your limits and not worry about how fast or heavy the person next to you is going, because remember, you are competing and at the end of the workout, everyone's scores will be posted on the whiteboard, then CrossFit might be a good fit for you. If, on the other hand, you're someone who's very competitive and always likes to push the envelope, chances are that you might have a very short CrossFit career. As I said at the beginning of this segment, I personally love CrossFit. I love learning new skills, improving existing skills, and I love measuring and tracking my progress. I also love the community and the overall fitness it brings. That being said, I regularly take time to step away and work on other goals. I recently decided that I wanted to focus on strength. So I stepped away from CrossFit programming and ran a powerlifting program for a few months. So back to our original question, should you do CrossFit? Well, like so many things in life, the answer is it depends. It depends on your goals, your personality, and your personal preference. But I'll leave you with this. It doesn't depend on how old you are. Should you wear a lifting belt? Okay, 
So as you heard in the beginning of the show, or at least you heard it if you didn't skip the intro, I've recently partnered with Tupood and they make apparel and bags, but what they're mainly known for is their weightlifting belts. In fact, they're the official belt of USA Weightlifting. And a common question I get asked is, should I wear a lifting belt? Well, first of all, let's define what a lifting belt is. A lifting belt is pretty much what it sounds like. It's a wide-ish belt that fastens securely around your midsection. They're typically made of nylon or leather, and they fasten with buckles or Velcro. But why use a lifting belt? Well, besides looking like a badass, a weightlifting belt has two primary functions, and that's safety and performance. In other words, a lifting belt is commonly used to lift heavy loads safely. So let's take a minute and dive into how lifting belts work, and then we'll discuss when it's appropriate to wear one. So basically, a lifting belt works by giving your core a tactile cue to press into. The idea is that you cinch the belt firmly around your midsection, right around your navel, and the belt should be snug but not crazy tight. And then as you're preparing for your heavy lift most commonly a squat or a deadlift, you brace your core by forcefully pushing your abdomen into the belt and you hold that bracing posture throughout the lift. The idea is that the belt, along with this bracing motion, help to stabilize the spine and lower back, which in turn allows you to lift those heavier weights more safely. Okay, so that's the mechanics of the belt, but when should you use one? As I just mentioned, lifting belts are typically worn when doing heavy compound lifts, most commonly the squat and the deadlift, but they can be valuable for the overhead press as well. But what does heavy mean? Certainly heavy is subjective. What's heavy to me might be light to you and vice versa, but a good rule of thumb is to use a lifting belt whenever your weight starts getting north of 80% of your one rep max. Now, if you're not sure what your one rep max is, stand by because we're going to discuss that in just a minute. But in the meantime, another way of defining heavy is by the number of reps you're doing. If your workout calls for sets of one, two, or three reps, commonly referred to as singles, doubles, or triples, that's considered heavy, and a lifting belt would absolutely be appropriate in those cases. Many people prefer using their belt for any work of five reps or lower. But if a lifting belt increases the safety of heavy lifts, why not wear one all the time or when you're lifting lighter loads? That's a great question. And here's the deal. Whenever we perform any compound lift or movement, we should be in the practice of bracing our core, whether we're wearing a belt or not. And the way we brace our core during a compound movement is actually different when we wear a lifting belt versus when we perform the lift without one. We've already discussed the mechanics of bracing your core when using a lifting belt. You're aggressively pushing your abdomen into the belt in an attempt to stabilize your core, but the mechanics of bracing your core without a belt are different. When you brace your core without a lifting belt, you tighten your core as if someone were going to punch you in the stomach. And there is a subtle difference between these two bracing techniques. With a belt, you're actively pushing outward against an object that's providing resistance. But when you're lifting beltless, there is no resistance. You're stabilizing your core and protecting your spine using only your body's musculature without any of that external resistance. 
And it's important that you practice and learn the skill of beltless lifting, since this has direct carryover into real life. Let's look at an example. Say you're at your friend's house and they want you to help them rearrange the furniture in their room. You're probably not going to go home and grab your gym bag and come back and put on your lifting belt. But having practiced bracing your core in the gym over and over will help you assist your friend safely. We have many movements in real everyday life that require us to have strong, capable cores, and we certainly don't want to allow wearing a belt to become a crutch. In fact, most average gym goers will never really need to use a lifting belt, and they'll be just fine. But if you are interested in lifting heavier weights and getting stronger, a lifting belt is a good tool. Like I said in the intro of this episode, I'm personally a big fan of the two-pood lifting belts. They have three different varieties of lifting belts. They have the straight belt, the three-inch petite belt, and the Metcon belt. I personally wear the straight belt, and I'd recommend that style of belt for 99% of the folks. Just as an aside here, some of you are probably wondering, wait, what are you saying? Are you saying pood? Is that too pood? Yes, pood. P-O-O-D. So it's the company is named Tupood, and that's the number two in the word pood. Now, you may be wondering, well, what the heck is a pood? If your gym has kettlebells, and they should, take a look at the weights on them. Oftentimes, they come in weird amounts, like 36 or 72 pounds. And a pood is a Russian unit of weight equaling 36.121 pounds, or that works out to about 16.38 kilograms. So now you know what a pood is. Anyways, if you're interested in checking out the two pood lifting belts, again, head over to silveredgepartners.com and click on the two pood icon. And don't forget to use the coupon code SilverEdge for your discount. And I'll put all of that into the show notes, which you can find over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 126. How to calculate your one rep max. Okay, so we just said that you might want to consider wearing a lifting belt when you start lifting north of 80 or 85% of your one rep max. But what if you're not sure what your one rep max is? Well, let me back up. Let's define a one rep max first. A one rep max is exactly what it sounds like. A one rep max is the maximum weight you can lift for one rep. And I'd add to that, especially for those of us over 50, that a one rep max is the maximum amount of weight we can lift for one rep with perfect form. So let's use a barbell squat as an example. If your one rep max is 150 pounds, you might consider wearing a lifting belt when that weight gets up to about 120 or 125 pounds. But what if you don't know what your one rep max is? There's a couple ways we can approach this. The first is fairly obvious. You can test your one rep max. That is, you can warm up and then test progressively heavier loads until you find your one rep max. Now, let's pause for a minute here and talk about this. While there certainly is some value in testing your one rep max in this manner, there is some risk involved. As you get closer and closer to failure on these heavier loads, your risk of injury goes up. Let me be clear. You can be strong, healthy, and fit and never test your one rep max in any lift. But if you don't test your one rep max, how do you know what it is? You can estimate your one rep max with the help of some simple math. 
As we just mentioned, testing your one rep max is effective, but does have some increased risk associated. And we can mitigate some of that risk by testing our max in larger rep ranges. Let's go back to our example of the barbell back squat. Let's say that you don't know what your one rep max is, but you know that you can squat 120 pounds for six reps with good form, and that's basically it. That's your max. With that information, we can approximate your one rep max. There are a number of different formulas available for calculating one rep maxes, but we'll use one of the more common. It's called the Epley formula, which goes like this. Your one rep max is your weight on the barbell times one plus the number of reps divided by 30, which in this example would work out to an estimated one rep max of 145 pounds. Now, don't worry too much about the formula. You can Google one rep max calculator and a whole bunch of responses will come up. Just plug in your reps and your weights and the calculator will spit out your estimated one rep max. But knowing your one rep max is useful for helping you reach your goals as well as for measuring your progress. If your main goal is aesthetics and hypertrophy, you'll want most of your rep ranges to be in the 70 to 80% range of your one rep max. On the other hand, if your goal is to increase strength, you'd want most of your rep ranges to be north of 85% of your one rep max. So there you have it. If you don't already know your one rep maxes, especially on your big compound lifts, things like the deadlift, the squat, the bench press, overhead press, rows, etc., decide on which method of testing is most appropriate for you and your personal goals. Okay, that's our show for today, folks. Again, I'll put links to everything we talked about in the show notes, and you can find that over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 126. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget I have more free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find my mini guides with my top tips on nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle. So feel free to head over there and download anything that might be helpful to you. As we wrap up our time together today, you can show your support for this show in two important ways. One is to tell a friend about this podcast and encourage them to give it a listen. And the second is to give this podcast a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. And be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future episodes. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today. And until next time, stay strong.